Well, I can't wait to meet our host. I hear this is only one of his beat parties. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Stay positive, the love will come back to me. Hello and welcome back to Too True to Lie with Harry Day. I just recorded an episode last night, but because the house is empty this weekend and no one's here to interrupt me or for me to make Phil uh, odd being my kids by in here talking, and I sometimes think I'm just in here talking to myself, um, I thought I'd do another one, and it's not a Christmas-themed one that I'll list that, but it's a positive one, and after not a full day, but a half day of just struggling with the holiday blues, the house is empty, the kids are gone, um, you know, my mom's situation, she's good, but she's home alone, I went and ate dinner with her tonight and hung out, she was watching Caddyshack when I got there which is not very mom. Oh my God, my dog just jumped up and put his paws on my hands like someone stepped up and said, hey. Oh, my heart raced. Thank you, dog. My dog's name is Button. Button, I thought when I got Button as a rescue dog from a trailer near Meridian, I thought I was getting a female dog. Button is all black, has wavy, curlyish, semi-long hair great dog sweet dog really doesn't bark chases cars on the driveway a little bit chews on my shoelaces every now and then other than that super dog well we got button the kids were with me picked button up drove home decided to call button button it was a good female dog name we thought so the next night button rolls over on her back and I'm rubbing her tummy and my pinky keeps hitting something down there where there's not supposed to be anything so I kind of part the curly black hair and buttons a boy hey and then I look real close buttons uh, little nerds hadn't dropped yet and so we kept button named button even though buttons a boy and we haven't had him fixed we live in the country and there's no real bad concern about button impregnating everybody's female dog. I started to say everybody's bitch, but I wasn't going to say that, but I already said it now. Um, button, button, button. We also call button butters because we like butters from uh, South Park. And bouton, which is French for button. So, Button's chewing on my hand over here, being sweet. Oh, you're a good dog. How this dog stays, uh, I was going to say clean, but <laughs> I've given this dog flea baths and seen the dirt just come streaming off of him. So, Button's my hero, but this episode is real life heroes who changed, who helped change the world. I have a list of 14 real life heroes some you know of, some are very obvious, some you may never have heard of, or you're like, oh yeah, I've heard of that, 
And you may or may not say that. Uh, I think I did. But it would have been inside my mind because I was reading it alone. So not aloud. So I guess I didn't say it, did I? Let's have some tea. Oh, man. If you hear, besides my dog scaring me, if you hear any sound in the background, my uh, TV in the bedroom is on the Golf Channel. And I guess I could have gotten up and turned it down or turned it off. But again, I battled the holiday blues dang near all damn day. Um, I'm not into having an empty house. Don't like it. The future, when the kids grow up and move, it's going to be tough. Hopefully, I'll uh, have a significant other that I want to live with by that time or before. You never know, right? However, let's move off of me. That's what your mom said. And move on to real-life heroes who helped change the world, right? Important people. Uh, many made great sacrifices, by the way. Our first, and we're counting from 14 down to 1, as this list goes. And as I read through the list earlier, it, it kind of follows numerically the way it should have been laid out. This hero is just one of, who knows, hundreds, thousands of heroes who risked and or sacrificed their body and or life in war. In this case, the war on terror. A young man named William Kyle Carpenter received the Medal of Honor for outstanding bravery in Afghanistan. He shielded other shoulder soldiers from a hand grenade that was thrown onto the rooftop where they were posted. All men survived. William Kyle got torn up. He was 21 years old. He threw his body onto a live grenade and he lost most of his teeth, his right eye, his jaw was shattered, his arm was broken in a lot of places, along with a lot of other superficial wounds, cuts, abrasions, concussions, etc., from shielding a blast to save other people's lives. He is quoted as not remembering, not remembering the blast at all, just jumping on it, and... Apparently, there were no eyewitnesses to him doing it, but doctors confirmed his injuries were the result of such a thing. And his friend, how is he not a witness? I don't understand how he's not a witness. His friend's not a witness because he lived. Either way, this man and many like him are uh, servicemen from the armed forces. There's another word for it. I can't think of it. Our Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force, Coast Guard, etc. All these people 
risk their lives all the time to help others. So I don't understand how this guy helped change the world, but I think it's just down here as an example of the hundreds, if not a thousand. I mean, who knows how many heroes we have out there that risked their lives that did and did not survive their ordeal in that day of battle. But William Kyle Carpenter is our first number 14 example. Now, this, I guess he changed the world in a lot of ways. Not a big fan, but Stephen Hawking, a man who defied all physical, emotional, and academic boundaries within his lifetime. If you don't know who Stephen Hawking is, he suffered from amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, a motor neuron disease that left him paralyzed and in a wheelchair. He uh, is recognized as an older man with glasses in a wheelchair with a robotic voice because he used a sound generator to communicate. But not only did his determination to defy the doctor's predictions of his two-year life expectancy in 1963, he was expected to live two years before he had, he lived much, much longer. He dedicated his life to academia. He wrote a book, A Brief History of Time, which discussed his own theories of cosmology and he is the director of the research in the Center for Theoretical Cosmology within the University of Cambridge, a very esteemed university. Despite his disease, which is a severe disadvantage, not only for his personal life, but research too, he is married and has children and continues his research. Now this is 2015, this article. Seems like he passed the last year or two. I'm not absolute on that, but considering he was supposed to die in 1965, I think he had a fantastic run. I guess he had novel ideas in cosmology that helped people understand the world and the universe and the galaxy. I never studied any of Hawking's stuff, but that's part of it. Now here's a great story. This story I did not know. You know the event, you know the image, but you don't know the story. It's simply known as the unknown protester. This man has not, nor ever, well, this man has not revealed himself. Still, this happened in 1989 when he did. He is, his identity is still unknown for his own safety. He, he has not revealed himself, so he is simply referred to as the Tank Man or the Unknown Protester. The Tank Man temporarily stopped the column of tanks coming through Tiananmen Square on June 5th, 1989 in China. He was carrying two shopping bags, one in each hand. And I guess he saw what was going on and stood in front of a tank. When the tank tried to go around him, he stepped in front of the tank. He stayed in front of this tank for, um, I do not know how long amount of time, it doesn't stay. 
in an attempt to stop the column. He did slow the column for an amount of time. It was, the footage was shot of him doing so. It became worldwide news. Um, it is considered it was not a planned action because he was carrying two bags of shopping supplies from what, whatever, from some store, and that he decided he was going to do that. The day it occurred was the day the Chinese government declared they would violently crack down on all Tiananmen protests that had been going on previous. And after speaking to one of the crewmen in the tank, he decided to stand in front of the tank and not let them maneuver around him. So he talked to the guys at the tank first. They could have just run over him, but they didn't. That lets you know that there are men in the Chinese army that just won't run over any nobody. They have conscience. They have compassion. This is a man with shopping bags standing in front of a tank. If it was in any other scenario somewhere else, he probably would have been killed. The man was later dragged away so the tanks could move on and no one knows what happened to him or whether he is even still alive. Was he dragged away by bystanders or by the government? Where would the tanks be going if they were in the square? A lot of questions left unanswered here. But it's, it's very interesting that no one knows who this man is unless the Chinese government put him in a prison and left him there to die, which is very likely, sadly. All right, moving on our way to number one, we're at number 11. A woman named Candy Leitner. Candy Lynn Leitner is the reason that there are stronger laws against drinking and driving. She's the organizer and president of MADD, known as MAD. Stands for Mothers Against Drink, Drunk Driving, whatever it is, drink driving, that doesn't make any sense. And she's the object of the organization. The object of this organization is to promote the dangers of driving while intoxicated. She has also tried to create legislation that would make this act a criminal offense. It kind of is and how tougher sentences should be used against them. What caused Candace to do this was her 13-year-old daughter was killed by a truck driver who was driving while intoxicated. It was a hit and run by a, a repeat offender, which is awful. She received the President's Volunteer Action Award for Humanitarian Services to the Public, and she later became president of the We Save Lives campaign, which campaigns against those who drive while drunk, or drive while distracted, or are under the influence of drugs. Mm, it seems like this happened in the 80s. It doesn't give me a date. Late 80s, early 90s. Late 80s. She, we got a picture of her and a picture of her with a, holding a picture of her and her daughter. And it's, you know, not something I want to read on the day of, you know, having the holiday blues. But we're spreading 
good message and as a friend told me be cheerful so we're spreading good cheer I will be more positive we will move on to the next hero this hero should be higher up but this is where she is number 10 Rosa Parks a sweet old black lady except as she said quote People always say that I didn't give up my seat because I was tired, but that's not true. I was not tired physically or no more tired than usual after the end of a working day. And I was not old, although some people have an image of me being old. I was 42. No, the only tired I was was tired of giving in. Well, what happened was she got on a bus in Alabama in 1955 black people sat on the back of the bus white people sat on the front that was the segregated south she walked back a little ways but I guess not far back enough and sat down and the bus driver asked her to move for a man to sit down and she said she would not well she was arrested for this act of defiance because she had a different color of skin. It was that simple. She became a symbol for resistance against racial segregation and a symbol for the Montgomery bus boycott. But in the long run, the fight of racial equality was achieved. However, Rosa's personal life went the other way. She was fired from her job and she received death threats for years because of her involvement in the civil rights and not moving on the bus, etc. So that was sacrifice. That was sacrifice of self-comfort above anything. Uh, you having your life, you know, you lose your job, have your life threatened, and you're just a, a woman. You're just a woman. In central Alabama who's never hurt anybody well that's what she's famous for is not moving on the bus she is known as the first lady of the civil rights and the mother of the freedom movement and uh, that's a, she's a brave woman because the South was brutal if you didn't stay in line during segregation if you're on the wrong end of that which isn't the wrong end but that's just the end it was <sighs> I've, I, you know I grew up not understanding you know people my dad knew you know saying the racial slurs that they said occasionally and talking the way they did about another race I, I didn't get it I always thought it was about individuals because that's what it is about, is individuals. It's not about, I mean, talking about a group of people and saying they all do this is inaccurate because you can't say 100,000 people all steal cars when it's only two. You can't say 100,000 people whistle at a woman when it's only one, if they even did that. You know what I mean? Stereotyping gets you nowhere, and we've come so far from that. 
We really, really have. But if you watch the news and the media, which I refuse to do now because it's just out of hand, they don't. It's not. It's opinion. They're pushing. They're pushing uh, agenda on us. It's propaganda. I sound like a crazy ham radio person, but I'm not lying. I'm telling the truth. I've watched the news, but I see the streets, and it's. You know, one person, one cop does one bad thing somewhere in Minnesota, and now the whole nation is racist? Kiss my ass. It's not. Here's some brave women. This is a woman named Jane Adams. What number are we on? Nine. Jane Adams was a pioneer for women's suffrage. She was also determined to make world peace a reality in her lifetime. She was a committed pacifist and peace activist, and she won a Nobel Prize in 1931 for her efforts in humanitarian campaigns. She founded the Women's International League for Peace in 1919. I bet she was against the war. There were a lot of people that never get talked about today in history that were against both world wars. And we know about people being against Vietnam. No one talks about Korea. But both world wars seemed just. There were still people that were against it because it was violence and it was killing. Of course, they didn't witness the killing that was already going on by the offenders known as the... Uh, Axis powers in World War II and I guess the Germanic uh, alliances in World War I because they were just taking over countries and killing people. World War II was way worse than World War I. Soldiers died by the thousands in World War I. People died by the hundreds of thousands in World War II. Just ask China, Russia. Germany, France, I mean, England, you know, people, it was just, mm. So, Miss Adams wanted peace, but a woman who's a pacifist, in my point of view, will not achieve peace when you have an army wielding weapons, taking over other countries, and killing teachers and, uh, uh, artists and uh, political leaders, etc., and police. But you got to do what you got to do. There hadn't been a war in this country since 1861. So anyway, Miss Adams helped a lot of groups consider minorities in her time. They were women and children and immigrants. They were a lesser level person than men. This was in the 1800s and going into the early 1900s. Miss Adams worked hard to stop the exploitation of child labor. She helped the poor and she set up places, centers for immigrants, which were coming in from Europe. They weren't Mexicans coming in up where she was. They were coming in California and Texas, but we had European immigrants coming in the Northeast. She taught women, because they didn't know better, or maybe they did, some didn't, because they just 
did what they're told in that time frame. Please don't get me wrong. She taught women that they were more valued and more capable than just being mothers. And they called on the middle class to use their time and wealth to help exercise the women's civic rights. Um, it took a while for this to come around. It wasn't violent because it was men oppressing women. Well, I guess there was amount of violence, which would be in the household, but, I, you know, not in the streets as far as I know. We have another one of these coming up too, this uh, uh, suffragette. Here's another good one. I don't have much info here on this hero that helped change the world. Number eight, Joan of Arc. This would be in the 1400s. So talk about a woman who stepped up as an equal with men. Joan of Arc lived in the early 1400s. Now, whether people believed her divine rights and revelations or not, Joan of Arc had a great positive influence over the French army until she was taken by the British and executed. I think she was burned at the stake. It was claimed that Joan of Arc could hear voices whom she said were saints in her head and she would see them clearly when they came to her to deliver messages from God. Now whether the call from God was in fact a call from God at all, her involvement in the planning and execution of military decisions were very positive to the French, not only for morale, but they were able to advance as a fighting force. She was 19 years old when she was put to death. So she was a fighting soldier and leader as a teenager in the 1400s. That is out of this world. That's like the greatest thing to come out of the 1400s in my mind. I can think of uh, Columbus coming over to Hispaniola, but that just led to disease running rampant and killing. Of course, they were, French were killing English and vice versa. Well, she was 19 when she was put to death. Her determination to do what she believed, though, was right, and it was admirable. And despite people thinking that she was a witch or the voices were that of the devil, insert Puritan, she gained the trust of the French and the French leaders and helped them and the king fight a war. Now, how did she come to be a trusted warrior, female warrior, when she was the daughter of a farmer who could not read or write? But somehow the king trusted her with her advice, the king himself, and appointed her or let her lead with the other leaders. But the British got her somehow. Uh, it doesn't have, have that here, sadly. But that's Joan of Arc. She helped uh, 
Well, it doesn't really say what she helped besides helping the French. But what do you know? It's coming off the internet, right? All right, Emily Davison was also an early suffragette. In 1906, she worked with the Women's Social and Political Union, which was formed three years earlier by Emmeline Parkhurst. The members of this group were women who were determined to fight for women to have equal rights as men, and they created history in doing so. Davison joined the group full-time, but eventually became a violent militant activist who went against their etiquette and she was arrested nine times and was force fed on a number of occasions for not eating. While it is, while it is not believed to have been a suicidal intention to her cause, she died in 1913 when she violently collided with the king's horse and was trampled. This would be in England. So apparently she ran in front of or walked in front of purposefully the king's horse and the king just ran her over. It says king. Is one maybe one of the king's men or the king's horse? I don't know. It is assumed her intention was to grab the bridle and attach a women's social political union flag to the horse. But she was injured by the horse and died from her injuries. Okay, here's, I don't understand this sentence. Whilst her life was a lot to give to the suffragette cause, it's important to remember the links that Davison and your ancestors went through in order to simply have a say in how their nation is governed should be noted so use your vote <laughs> interesting so these are women who fought for women's rights and equality the very early early um era of that happening which would have been the turn of the 20th century all right we're going to bust on down to number six mary wallstonecroft let me check my time here make sure i'm not blabbering on too far Ooh, i need to speed it up um let's have some tea though and not speed it up. Oh, that's good. <clears throat> Mary Wollstonecraft is potentially one of the first feminists to directly state how and why change needed to happen. This would be in the 1700s, by the way. Mary was an English writer, philosopher, and pioneer for women's rights. She wrote a book called A Vindication of the Rights of Women in 1792, and despite her clear understanding of how to socially address the problem of women living in a patriarchal environment, she was more famous for her relationships than her writing. Sadly, this does not say anything about her relationships. See, I try to keep this show about 40 minutes. How it even goes that long amazes me as I'm reading this and doing this. I'm at 30 now. But if I were to backstory all these 14 people, I mean, each one needs their own episode is what it is. And instead, you know, a list of several just seems more interesting and more uh, info-filled. <laughs> 
So, she argued that the only reason that women are seen as inferior to men is because of their lack of education. Which is because they were not allowed to gain an education. She also said both men and women should be treated as having a rational mind. She is considered one of the first feminists, and her work is still considered important today. <coughs> Excuse me. Mary Wollstonecraft. Well, I wonder who she uh, had relationships with, because it ain't on here. Next, this story is just, they should make a movie about this if they haven't. A man named Witold Pilecki truly experienced the horrors of war voluntarily. <coughs> Gosh, now my throat's all tickly. <clears throat> now, he didn't volunteer to join the army. He was a member of the Polish resistance after Germany blitzkrieged through there in World War II. And rumors of these camps around Poland were whispering around. These camps were people were taking and they weren't leaving. They were taken too and they weren't leaving in the early 1940s. So Pilecki decided he was going to discover what was going on and he was going to help his nation and help the allies fight whatever it was. So he deliberately got himself arrested by the Nazis to get put into a concentration camp. He was put in Auschwitz. A lot of people were put to death in Auschwitz. Pilecki spent two and a half years in Auschwitz and the entire time he sent back intelligence to the Polish government to, con to help convince the Allies that there were concentration camps and death camps being run by the Germans in Poland, in Germany, wherever. He sent his intelligence through a radio that he built in camp with smuggled parts. He later escaped Auschwitz and sent information to London where they assumed that the figures provided of people being killed were clearly exaggerated because the people in London just couldn't believe that the Germans had killed five million people up to that date over five years of uh, concentration in death camps. I think it was more than five million in the end. Now here's the insane twist. His own country of Poland sentenced him to death with charges of espionage and the illegal crossing of the borders under a false name. So potentially Poland's greatest hero was put to death by the authorities of Poland. That, that blows my mind because I guess he broke Polish laws or maybe they were Polish uh, collaborators. It doesn't say that. But he helped alert 
the Allies that there were death camps, there were concentration camps. The the rumors were well known to people like Eisenhower and Churchill. And that only made the toehold of Normandy and D-Day and pushing to Germany as fast as possible more dire. Because how many people were being killed today that weren't even part of the war? A lot. It's unbelievable that was happening in the 20th century. But it did. It's unbelievable that Poland killed Pilecki. However, he his his image, his uh, reputation was later rehabilitated and given a promotion to colonel in 1990, 42 years after his execution. So 90 minus 40 is 50. So it would have been after the damn war. It would have been 1948. No wonder people make jokes about Poland and Polacks. You kill your heroes. It blows my mind, man. People blow my mind. Stop blowing my mind. <clears throat> A man I've never heard for ever, number four, William Wilberforce. Oh, yeah. William Wilberforce was an English philanthropist and politician, meaning he was rich, who actively fought against the slave trade. Britain became involved in the slave trade in the 16th century, and although the trade helped Britain become a superpower in the world, it came at a cost, which was a moral cost. They slowly lost their uh, empire. You know, the United States, the United States of America, we've been called, uh, it was an Obama who labeled us as, as part of the colonial era of slavery. We were a British colony that seceded from Britain. We claimed our own independence. And though we kept slavery longer than Britain because the South was the South, although the North didn't do anything to stop it until the late 1800s. Well, mid-1800s. Anyway. Slaves were used as tools and treated worse than animals for manual labor. And Wilberforce is one of the few people in England who thought this was morally wrong. He urged others to see slavery as a national crime that must be addressed and eradicated from society. And it took him and a group of others to show people how corrupt society had become and that these slaves were actually human beings and always had been. English abolished slavery in 1833. Three days later, Wilberforce died. The legislation passed. Three days later, he passed. It does not say how or why. But he was an early abolitionist. And a name that I guess more people should know. William Wilberforce. <clears throat> Moving on. Got to speed it up. Here's one you never guess. You never guess. But this is 
real-life heroes who changed the world. Number three, William Shakespeare. Isn't that amazing? He is known as the world's most famous playwright. His work has shaped and influenced the English-speaking world and beyond. What made his work stand the test of time was how well he was able to capture humanity. He understood people. And he broadcast this knowledge through his work of art. He was an exceptional anthropologist, and his plays and sonnets are basically revealing of the true nature of humans and humanity. Whether it is jealousy or love, he is able to capture how these emotions drive someone and how it can affect themselves or others. He also created sayings that we still use today, a lot of them, and that is very impressive. So that's very interesting. But, I, you know, who would have thought William Shakespeare when you heard or read the very beginning of this title of this podcast that William Shakespeare is one of the world's greatest heroes? Definitely one of the greatest. Uh, gosh, I'm not drinking, but I feel like I'm slurring. Playwrights. <clears throat> Moving on. Number two. Um. You know, it's interesting, and I saw this in another list, but it's, there aren't any on this list. But uh, people like Patton and MacArthur and Eisenhower and, uh, you know, that guy, uh, Churchill, are on this list. But they fought one of the biggest wars in the history of this planet. For the greater good. But this guy, who was on the opposing side of the um, Allied forces in World War II, this guy was a member of the Nazi Party. He was a German industrialist. His name is Oskar Schindler. He's a real man. You've seen the movie Schindler's List. He's a real man. He is credited for saving the lives of over a thousand Jewish people from concentration camp where he worked. He did this by employing them in his factories in Poland where he provided the army with enamel cookware. And as time went on, he bribed members of the Nazi party with monies and gifts so that they would not harm his Jewish workers. He initially had set his business up to become wealthy and he hired Jews to work there for cheap labor because that's what the Nazi regime did. But as time went on, he learned of the devastating occurrences inside these concentration camps and he did whatever he could short of losing his life to protect as many Jewish people as he could. After the war, he was in danger of being arrested as a criminal of war of the Nazi party by the Allies. And he was made bankrupt after spending all of his money on bribes and on his employees to get a start after the war. But he survived after the war on donations 
from what was known as the Schindler Juden or Schindler's Jews. Survivors of these concentration camps saved by Schindler sent him money from all over the world, wherever they ended up, America, Britain, France, in Poland, Germany, wherever. They sent him money and he was able to live out his life. So I guess he didn't get charged with war crimes. Doesn't say. Drum roll, please. I don't have a drum, but I do have a big pan sitting here for some reason. The number one real life hero who helped change the world. And this is, you know, it's not Gandhi who should be on here too. But this, this is, uh, well-deserving is Martin Luther King Jr. He is considered one of America's greatest orators with his work in advancing the civil rights campaign. He was an activist and a humanitarian. He was a devout Christian who believed that he could change the world non-violently, and he did. He walked the walk. He talked the talk. He was able to do it peacefully. His speeches are still words or phrases or sentences from his speeches are known by millions of people. I have a dream, being the most famous. Oh, they got a quote of it here. I'll read it to you. Why not? But he was nonviolent. And he went on marches where there were violence brought upon them. He organized marches, parades, campaigns against segregation. He dedicated his life to overcome the racist policy which the government still held in place. However, he was shot by a white man with a rifle in Memphis when he was standing on his hotel balcony he was killed for his determination to bring justice to people who were judged and treated horribly because of the color of their skin yes he was and we'll close out these heroes that we have listened to not that they were here speaking. You've listened to me speaking poorly. <clears throat> I'll never sit here and say I'm a great orator. Um, I wonder if there was a plot to kill him or if just some jackass shot him. Uh, you know, we don't know. You know, we don't know the same about Kennedy either. We'll never know. The things we'll never know. But we'll, we'll read out on this to quote Martin Luther King Jr., great man. I have a dream that one day on the Red Hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation well, they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character.
Talk about a man sending out the ripples of kindness and hope and positivity. And I've, I believe that we are in that world. It's not a perfect world, but in this country, it's dang close. Um, I'm nice to everyone I come across, and they're nice back to me. I guess it one breeds the other, which is why I always push that. And so, because I've almost gone 50 minutes, I'm not going to uh, tangent out on y'all. Thank you for listening. Hope you learned something neat. Uh, if you find out some of the things that I was wishing was in the notes about these heroes, like how Joan of Arc died, or how Pulaski, it's not Pulaski, Pulecki ended up being arrested. I'm going to look it up. Never mind. You don't have to tell me that. See, I've tangented out. I said I wasn't going to tangent out. So I'm just going to say, be like Martin Luther King when he was alive and asked for peace.